0: Need. they need more romance they need more understanding they need more communication if they don't get good communication meaning they, they need to feel heard they need to feel safe to express what they feel if they don't if they don't um, get that kind of support then the more independent women are the more unhappy they are and this is happening more and more the risk of divorce goes dramatically up as women become more independent but both men and women can learn, to, to depend on them for for nurturing and love, but this is a new new challenge. You know, it doesn't mean men are supposed to come home and share all their feelings like a girlfriend would. It means men have to learn to be better listeners, and women have to learn how to share uh, what's going on inside without making the man wrong. That's a real key thing. Is, is women for thousands of years learned you don't blame many, you don't complain. And suddenly now we've got a whole generation of women that, not every woman, but a whole generation of women that come home and just complain, and it just pushes the man away. And what she needs more than anything is to pull the man closer to her. So these are new skills that we have to learn how to express appreciation, how to respect each other's needs. Uh, how to build trust in a relationship that if I open up and share what's going on inside, my partner won't make fun of me, they won't ridicule me, they won't blame me, they won't criticize me. So these are the new skills if we want love to last in a relationship. So a healthy relationship looks, uh, you know, one is an understanding of what a women need, what a men need. To say it very shortly, but my message is, Often men, when they want to get a divorce, you can see men are not getting what they need, and they almost always say the same thing. They say, you know, John, no matter what I do, it's never enough to make her happy. Uh, This just unhappy woman, you know, a man wants his wife to be happy. He wants to feel successful in that relationship, and if he can't provide that, the support she says she needs, uh, if what he does just doesn't work, he gives up. And, and so there you see one huge difference between men and women is that men just want to feel that they can help their partner and be successful. Uh, women want to feel that they can give and receive. So women will say things like, uh, I give and give and give and I don't get back. Well, part of why they don't get back is they don't know how to ask for what they need because what they need is something new and different. And women often have the... Unrealistic idea that he's a mind reader, he should just know. But, uh, you know, to give women a break here, historically, women have never had to ask for anything. Uh, society told men what to do, and men did it. And most men don't like being told what to do anyway. Uh, and so, women have to learn a new way of asking to be very direct and be very kind about it, you know, instead of saying, Would you like to go out to dinner tonight? Uh, that he'll just say, no, I'd rather stay home. You have to be direct and say, I need this. So she would say, hey, would you take me to dinner tonight? I just would feel much, so much happier, you know, and, and make specific requests because men do want to make women happy. Uh, they just can't read her mind. So that's one big thing is learning how to be responsible to get what you need in a healthy relationship. You're able to ask what you want, and your partner is willing to give it if they can. Now, the third thing, which is really maybe the most important general concept of a healthy relationship, is you take blame out of it. You know, when you, we, we tend to blame our partners for our unhappy feelings. You know, we tend to blame our partners. Oh, if they hadn't done this, if they hadn't said that, if they hadn't lost the money, if she hadn't been so critical, I'd be so happy. When we, when we point the finger at our partners, that's not love. You know, the point of a marriage is to grow in love, to learn how to love. Uh, used to be the point of a marriage was to survive. Uh, you know, basically you needed two people to make a family. You had to survive. And that's not the main reason anymore. People are too independent today. The, the main reason we get together today is we want to love. But then that automatically, it happens automatically in the very beginning uh, to give us a glimpse of what's possible. And people don't understand this, but when you just, when you fall in love, there's a brew of brain chemicals uh, because of the newness and the challenge and the lack of history. The newness uh, stimulates a brain chemical called dopamine, which is at the honeymoon phase of a marriage, is that you fall in love, you feel fantastic, it's magical. It's because you're actually on high on drugs. The same the same brain chemical gets produced when you're taking heroin as when you're falling in love. It's called dopamine. Uh, newness, novel, that's why we go new different places, see a new movie or whatever, new music. It's always exciting the first time, second time, third time, and then it sort of becomes less exciting. That's the newness of something stimulates dopamine. The lack of history uh, stimulates serotonin. You have no reason to mistrust the person. You don't have any negative experiences. You can sort of live in a fantasy of what you hope they'll be. That's this brain chemical called serotonin. And when you get a lot of dopamine and serotonin, then you get another brain chemical called GABA. And GABA makes you just uh, feel love and and happiness and be in the moment and forget all your problems. So these are the, and the brain chemicals get produced when you fall in love. Then as time sets in, you have history, newness goes away because you have familiarity. Uh, Now you have to learn how to create those brain chemicals. And so what we do is when, they, when it's no longer automatic, we start blaming our partner like they're not doing their job, when it really is we're not doing what we need to do to create those brain chemicals. And that means have a life uh, as separate from your, your partner, making them all, all the source of all your problems. You need to have a life that brings you fulfillment as well, uh, and your partner is one of those sources of fulfillment. So, you know, my marriage is successful, primarily we've been married 30 years. One is we have these good communication skills, we understand the differences, that makes everything easier. But underlying it all is, on days when my wife is just in a bad mood or she is being upset about something and I don't get upset back. I just take some space, I take some distance, I do something to make myself feel good. And then I come back and I give her a little more love and support, rather than argue and fight or blame or criticize. I'm not saying that I don't feel that inside sometimes, but I don't listen to it. It's all like, uh, we have different parts of our brain that we can listen to. Whenever we're sort of in this reactive part of the brain that gets mad at somebody, blames and resents and criticizes, the research is showing that that's all part of the middle part of the brain, which is no different from the monkey's brain. Then we have the front part of the brain, which is different from a monkey, and that's really our human brain. The, the the prefrontal cortex, and it's in that part of the brain where we feel appreciation, where we feel uh, compassion, we feel empathy, we feel uh, we can understand another person's point of view, we can be reasonable, and part of being reasonable is realizing that nobody's going to be happy all the time, and also remembering that your partner is only one source of happiness in your life. If you think your partner is your only source of happiness and they don't make you happy, now you're stuck. As opposed to having lots of things that make you happy, and your partner is one of those things, then you don't put so much pressure on them to be the perfect person because nobody's perfect. I think these
1: are the three basic, most important things to of a healthy, healthy relationship, healthy marriage. Why do you think so many people try to change their partner, then?
0: Well, that's really that's one of those big problems is always trying to change your partner. Now. There's a good part of that and there's a bad part of that. And and, and certainly, I, I just was talking about if you're if you're not happy inside, then you always want to change your partner to, to thinking, if I can get them to do this, I'll get them to do that, then they'll be happier. Then it will make me happy. So one, it's always coming from a place of unhappiness inside of ourselves. We want to control others. We want to change others. We want to be something different. And unfortunately, if we don't notice this tendency of wanting to change somebody, we don't really get to experience what real love is. Real love is accepting someone the way they are. You know, like in my marriage, uh, I understand my wife, I know her 30 years, 37 years I've known her, more than half my life. And, you know, part of her childhood growing up is she had a very disapproving mother. And so my wife, when she's under stress, she tends to become like her mother and she gets real disapproving and then i used to disapprove of her for being disapproving because it was stupid i'm a good guy but now i just go oh it's just some kind of automatic reaction and if i don't resist it if i don't disapprove it back it goes away very quickly and that's the secret is that when you try to change somebody they become more stubborn and become that way what you resist will persist it, it just becomes that if you keep resisting and you become that way like if somebody's angry with me I, i'll get angry back if, if my wife disapproves of me i disapprove back and they were stuck so not only do they become stuck in that behavior but then you end up becoming like that person in some way and this is this is all part of what's called the monkey brain behaves this way uh, we need to notice that, be aware of that, and, and and separate ourselves from that as best we can. We clearly don't want to justify it. You know, like, I'm upset because they did this, and she said this and that. You know, you can talk to a friend about it. That's one way of just sort of, you know, sharing about it, getting upset about it, letting it go. But don't say those feelings to your partner because they're just going to resist it back. So what we want to do is is learn you know, from our mistakes. Does it really work to do that? If it doesn't work to do that, stop doing it. And that's kind of what I point out is the things that people commonly do that don't work. And then you kind of step back and go, okay, what's an alternative to this that might work better? And that's what I'm seeing is that we have to learn new new ways of having relationships because we're closer than ever before. And, uh, when you're closer, you can get hurt easier. You know, when you're dancing close to somebody, they can step on your feet. Uh, and, and one of the first things to learn, so that we're not trying to change our partner, control our partner all the time, is to not take it personally and not take offense. Uh, there was a study done at Harvard, where they found that if somebody steps on your foot, uh, it hurts. But if somebody steps on your foot and you think it was intentional, they meant to step on my foot, it hurts a lot more it causes a much much bigger stress response and we have to realize our partners are not trying to ruin our day and once you realize that get get real clear there's a loving intention behind everything generally when two people love each other find that loving intention understand why they're doing it they don't mean to hurt you so coming back to that question you asked about you know wanting to change your partner change is a natural part of life i mean and in, in, in most men in their business would like to have a bigger business. You know, they like to make more money. Uh, you know, I'm a writer. I'd like more people to read my books. Uh, I'd like to have a bigger effect in the world. More and more and more is the nature of life. We want more. We want things to get better. And in a sense, just as men want more success, women want more love. And and they look at a man and they go, if you did this and you did this, then we'd have even more love. (laughs) So the nature, our nature is for more and more. Men tend to want to fix things. And and, uh, if it's not broken, don't touch it. But women have a nature which says, let me improve it. And there's no end to improvement. Uh, This is sort of the nurturing gene that mothers have and all women have it, which is you want to improve your children as they're developing. So she's always wanting to improve the relationship, improve the man. Uh, but the secret here, I understand, is that's okay. It doesn't mean she can't be happy with what she's got. So just because she wants me to make some changes doesn't mean I, I have to make those changes. and doesn't mean that if I don't make those changes, she's not going to be happy or love me. That's what people have to learn, is how to be happy with what they got. And, you know, I have a business, it grows, and... But I'm happy with what I got, and that, that's the basis of it continuing to grow. If Women can learn, if you want a man to improve, stop trying to improve him. Start appreciating and ex- accepting him just the way he is, and appreciating the efforts he makes. He'll make more efforts. It's like any job, you know, you work hard, and they reward you. you, you wanna work harder. Uh, women don't understand this, and they'll punish men, they'll reject men, they'll disapprove of men, they'll criticize men, and think that now he's gonna give you more? I don't think so in primitive days that was an old system that worked that works in the monkey brain to a certain extent but it doesn't even, there's no evolution it's the evolution the transformation the real growth happens using the front part of the brain which is a place where we can learn to love find forgiveness find acceptance find appreciation find uh empathy uh see what a person's really trying to do and acknowledge that and support that that can bring out the best in people. So I think change is a good thing, but you don't do it by, by trying to change who a person is. You wanna create a situation where that person can thrive, and that's how change happens.
1: And like as you know, John, men can blame women for nagging, and women can blame men for listening. Why does this happen, and like, is there a way to resolve this in the relationship?
0: Yes, there is. You know, if you look at one of the big things about women nagging and complaining to men, It ruins relationships, and women will say, you know, I've been doing this 40 years. Women will say, but how do I get them to change? How do I get them to do something? And I say, (laughs) it's real simple. You have to learn how to ask. There's a big difference between complaining and nagging and asking. Nagging is a form of asking that just doesn't work. Uh, Nagging is getting upset with somebody for not doing something. As opposed to asking, is a neutral tone that makes a request. And there's an art to this. Now in my book, Men from Mars, there's a whole chapter on the art of asking. This is a new skill. I can go over a few of the points of it. Uh, You have to learn to be direct. You have to do it in the same tone of voice. You can never say how many times I have to ask you. You didn't do it. When are you going to finally do it? all those things just don't work and that's why women they nag and they say what else can I do I said well now you at least know that what you're doing doesn't work right and you don't know what will work but nag nobody wants to be nagged or criticized or whatever so what you do is you learn how to ask you learn to be specific you learn to ask at the right time and the right way if you the first step to even asking anything is men are so resistant to women nagging and complaining and telling them what to do, criticizing them, is recognize how does your tone of voice come across to that person? If you're saying in your tone of voice, you're, you know, the linguistics experts say 95% of a communication is in the tone of voice. And, you know, if, you, if I ask you to do something once, I say, hey, would you empty the trash? And that's a tone of voice. Now you notice he didn't do it. He said he's going to do it. He didn't do it. Next time you bump up the tone of voice, you go, hey, when are you going to empty the trash? And then the next time, how many times I have I to ask you? The trash still hasn't gone out. When are you going to empty it? house is starting to stink. You know, the tone of voice says, you have failed me. You have failed me. You have failed me as opposed to what works is another way. Same tone of voice as if you're asking the first time. If you ask a man to do something the third time, as if it's the first time, he's gonna notice right away and think, wow, she's being so nice about it, I better get this done right away. You know, Men respond to positive responses, not negativity. If women can understand this, it changes their whole perspective, how to communicate to a man. But even that won't work, just simply asking in the right tone of voice does it work until you're coming from the right place the right place and what does that mean if i go to a job where they pay well i'm going to work harder if i go to a job where they don't pay you much i'm not going to bother much so what kind of a job does he have with you if he had had the experience that it pays well and what does it mean to pay well it means to be a woman who is capable of appreciating every effort he makes appreciation of what he does now how do you give him that message you spend about a month or two and you stop nagging and complaining completely that way he knows he's not going to be criticized and basically he's accepted the way he is we have to remember that's love how do you love someone you accept them just the way they are you don't demand more they are who they are and you love them the next step after going a couple of months without any criticism, without any blame, without any demands, without any complaints, you'll see he'll be in a better mood, he'll be happier, he'll be more positive. He won't necessarily do more for you, but he'll be positive. Now you've got a man who is feeling love. Once he's feeling love, then you start asking for more. You say, hey, would you help me with this? and then he helps you, and you appreciate him for that. And then he asks, hey, would you do this for me? And he does that, and you appreciate him for that. And then you ask him for something else, and he does it wrong, and you don't point out he did it wrong. You appreciate his effort for that. So you start a new way of living, a new way of life, where you don't don't dump your negativity on your partner, but you only give positivity or a neutral response. Harvard University did another study on this where they found that if you give people only neutral response to their mistakes and positive response to their going in the right direction, they will achieve their goal twice as fast as telling them negative things when they're going the wrong way and telling them positive things when they're going the right way. Just positive responses. You don't have to kill this negativity. It doesn't work. It worked a long time ago when relationships were not based on growing in love. It was just performance, get your job done or you'll lose the job kind of a thing. But a marriage is not a job, it's a relationship which we want love to grow. Love can't grow if you're, if you're nagging and complaining. On the other side of it, you mentioned women's biggest complaint about men is that men don't listen. Well, that's a new art for men to learn It's how to listen, how to understand. And what men have to practice is to recognize that what we tend to do is we overreact to women's upset feelings, okay? When women get upset, there's no reason to get upset. It doesn't work, it's a stupid thing to do. Just don't speak. If you're getting upset and you talk, you'll get more and more upset. I'm just giving you the biology here. When a man is upset, if he talks, he becomes more upset, unless he's talking to somebody who agrees with him. Well, when your wife is upset, she's not going to agree with what you say, so forget about talking. What you can do is help her to calm down, because you don't have to agree with her. You don't have to say anything. You just have to try to understand her perspective and get her to talk so if you can get her to talk by asking questions she will calm down her hormones will change she will start feeling happier she will start remembering what a great guy you are and she will feel the love in her heart which is capable of accepting you just the way you are which is not a perfect person nobody's a perfect person that's what love does helps us to see the good in people and so listening is you, you she'll be upset about something or complain about something you want to fix her you want to tell her don't worry about that you can do this instead or why are you bothered by that you can do that or are you getting upset or nothing all those kinds of things where you're trying to change how she feels keeps her from feeling hurt now, why is listening to a woman such an important thing is because the number one, number one stimulator of this hormone called oxytocin is when women feel seen in a loving way, when they feel heard in a loving way, when they feel touched in a loving way. So affection, physical contact in a non-sexual way, regular hugs, compliments, noticing her, these are things that all stimulate oxytocin. Those are the things that men naturally did in the beginning of a relationship, and they stopped doing it. Why do they stop doing it? Because nobody ever told them that's the most important stuff for women. Women are different. Men don't need that kind of a, you know, oh, well, look how beautiful you are today, and oh, let me hold your hand. Oh, you know, let me hear how you feel. Uh, and, and if men do that, uh, basically that throws a man out of balance. He shouldn't be concerned about those things. Men should be concerned about being successful in what they do and men identify with doing. Why is that so? Because that raises testosterone. And testosterone is a man's lifeline. When men's testosterone goes down, they become moody, irritable, mad, angry, pouty, they become alcoholics, they become sick, they have heart attacks. All those things are associated with low testosterone in men. What, what makes a man feel normal testosterone is when a woman, is a, when, when he feels successful, and the thing that makes a man more successful than anything is still a woman loving him. So, you know, and the thing that makes women feel oxytocin more than anything is a man who understands what she's feeling and validates her feelings. And to validate her feelings doesn't mean you have to agree that that's the way you should think about the world. But that's how she thinks about the world. She may be upset about stuff. You know, sometimes I forget to call my wife and she starts worrying. She says, I'm scared. I don't know what what, what happened." And, you know, from my point of view, I would say, uh, well, don't worry about it, no big deal, honey. I'm fine every day, so, you know, I don't worry about you. Well, that's not the right answer to give. The answer to give is, okay, I understand you're scared. I'll try to call you so you don't get scared. That's who she is. She gets scared easier than me, period. And that's a different biological difference that women have, which is that women have higher levels of estrogen, which causes much stronger emotional reactions to things. You know, what might make me a little nervous can make her feel terrified. Now, at the same time, does that mean that she can't fly a, a, a fighter plane in an army? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, they found that women are better pilots in dangerous situations, and the irony there is that when, when men have big problems, men have strong emotional reactions, and women actually become cold as ice. Uh, that's when women are ready to leave a man in a marriage. She just... He's dead to her, she's ice cold to him, uh, whereas men get inflamed and furious. Uh, so under big stress, we become the opposite, under little stress, women become more emotional, men become more detached. As we learn these differences, suddenly we realize that what was crazy between men and women actually is a perfect complement to each other, and we just have to learn to work with those differences, and they fit together perfectly. At times where there's uh, moderate stress for her, I can be cool, calm, and collected. That's very
1: supportive of her. And I I know you mentioned about the imperfections there, John. What do you suggest in a way for people to overcome and accept each other's imperfections in a relationship?
0: Well, I think the ultimate is a great question that you ask. The ultimate is, you know, when we realize that people are doing the best they can, and we realize that totally dependent on our partner for our happiness but we have other things to make us happy then we see a relationship is an opportunity to love more It's it to be generous in spirit to be forgiving to be giving and when people stop being generous in spirit it's because they feel empty inside and this is where we have to have a rich spiritual life we have to have a rich emotional life we have to have friendships we have to have community activities where we're feeling that we're making a difference in people's lives. People start looking to their, to their relationship as the sole source of happiness in their lives, and it's not. So that, that's a real key dynamic is that we need to find a level of happiness and fullness in our life so that we can overflow into our partner. At the same time, your partner should not be a charity case where you're just giving and giving and not getting back. But at the same time, uh, you know, part of getting back is to learn to be responsible, to uh, bring out the best in your partner. To And for women, that means, as I talked about earlier, learning how to ask for what you want and, and learning to communicate what your needs are in a way that he can hear you. Uh, you can't just assume he's a mind reader and he's going to do it. And for men to understand... That our dynamic is not so much to ask what you want from a woman, but to really understand why she goes out of balance and what you can do to help her uh, come out and become the best person she can be. Um, not to say you can't ask a woman for something, but that's not really the biggest problem that men have is it's not that they don't ask, they tend to ask if they want something. Uh, and, and men are, by nature, way more independent, so they don't need as much. What they do need is her love. They do need to feel successful in the relationship. The, the main need that a man has in a marriage is to feel that here's somebody who really appreciates all that he does. Uh, it's kind of like when you go to work, your main need is to feel that people are benefiting from your service. When you go to work, your main need is to feel that you're making a difference, and your main need is to get something for it, which is money. But money is only there to be a, is a tool so that you can provide for someone who loves you, uh, for your children and for your wife. To man, that's the main need, is to feel their love, uh, to feel that they appreciate what he does for them. And a woman, her main need in a relationship today, the more independent she becomes, uh, for a man to be financially providing for her although for many women that's still a major thing but to feel that he's providing a kind of emotional safety a stability that allows her to share more of who she is so more of her can be seen her emotional side of her can be revealed in a a context where she's going to feel accepted and understood and validated and some empathy and some compassion that's what women are saying when they're he doesn't listen. They want him to hear what she's saying with some empathy, uh, with some validation, with some caring, uh, and not try to correct her or fix her or try to change her. Instead of instead of that, just understanding the way the psychology of a woman works, and most men just don't know that, is that uh, a woman, by talking about problems and feeling them more deeply, sharing her feelings of what's happening inside of her, uh, just by Having the opportunity to do that where she feels safe that you're not going to criticize her or judge her, uh, that will produce these hormones that make her feel really good and allow her to feel more love because more love is being, more of her is being seen. Men don't understand. Women wear makeup. Women are constantly editing themselves, hiding themselves, not showing up for who they are. Or they just uh, throw themselves out there and get rejected by everybody and say i don't care uh the truth is she does care and she wants somebody who can be tender with her and accepting of her understanding of her and that is a very powerful thing when that's shifting from a survival relationship a mate, to a soulmate someone who can actually see into who she is and as a man does that he gets the benefit of, of feeling very successful in providing support for her and at that point A relationship shifts to a new gear where he also can find that depth of of soul connection and within himself and share that part of himself too. But it's a different journey for him. It starts out by being successful and being there for her. And for her, it starts out and revealing
1: one layer after another of the depth of who she is. And I know you mentioned those soulmates there, John. Do they really exist and and what are they? Well, a soulmate is,
0: I wrote a book on dating, Marcy, and it's on a date where I talk about the soul connection. And, you know, even to talk about the soul, it's such a sort of a spiritual term that it can mean a million things. Like if I say the word God, it means a lot of different things to people all around the world. You know, it can be a guy with a great beard up there. It can be a great spirit that pervades all the universe. It can be light. It can be love. It can be, it means a lot of things to different people. Soul means a lot of things. I think to be, make it simple and, and real, tangible, Just look at a picture of yourself when you're five years old. Your body is different. Your emotions are different. Your mind is different. But you say, that's me. And you can connect with that part of you. You can feel who you were at that time. Now, not all people can do that. Uh, I do that as an exercise for people. You know, we have pictures all the way down the hallway in our house. And I like to go down those pictures and go, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. The emotions are different. The body is different. The confidence is different. The mind is different. But there's a part of me that is still me. It's throughout all of my life there's this guy who is me and that's the soul and the soul is the essence of who we are it's the, it's the self that, that grows and changes but always remains the same and that part of us has a, it has a feeling of eternalness to it, that it does, it's undying and that part of us we can get to when our heart is open and when you open up to your soul you will have a sense of knowing that the person I'm sharing with, uh, is, is meant to be my partner for a lifetime. So there's that feeling of, I want to share my life with this person. And there's an eternal quality to it. So it feels like I want to share my whole life with them. And that's a soulmate. Uh, it feels like you're destined to be together. There's all kinds of feelings that go with it. But it doesn't mean that your relationship will always be harmonious. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be fine. And it doesn't mean that there's only one as well. It's just someone who touches your soul and brings forth the awareness of your soul. And you bring forth that in them. Uh, and, and, you know, the big problem for people is they feel this eternal connection. I want to share my life with you. Uh, which is why we get married, feel like we can make a partnership for life. Is is that we think that if you have that special soul connection, uh, which feels like you want to be with this person forever, uh, when you have that, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be connected to your soul, because we're not always connected to our true self. Sometimes our hearts are closed, and we're mad, and we're not loving, or we're afraid, and we're not in that very clean, clear state, a centered state. Uh, where we can know who we are, that we are, you know, uh, safe, that we are worthy, that we are good enough, that we are lovable. You know, this is a, a truth that's inside of us, but we have to find that truth inside and lose it, find it, lose it, find it. And a marriage with your soulmate means that every time you lose it, you can find it again and again through finding love for this person, through forgiving this person, through connecting with that person. And you build, you grow in love. And to get rid of that person and start again means to start again almost at zero. Uh, why not build on what you've got is what I tell people. You'll learn to forgive, learn to let it go, learn to learn your lessons, learn to take responsibility in a relationship, learn how to love better. Uh, then you can thrive and the families can stay together. I think it's a real shame today that uh, so many people are getting divorced. At the same time, it is, a, it is a symptom of the chaos we're going through now to move towards a better time uh, because, you know, relationships were at the level of roommate before, and there is a possibility of getting to soulmate where this is emotional richness and fulfillment that holds us together. But to get to that place, we need new skills, and when you don't have those skills and you want to get to that place, then you experience increasing dissatisfaction. So modern relationships, people experience much more dissatisfaction than in previous relationships at other times. But at other times, part of why they didn't experience so much dissatisfaction was because they had no high expectations, you know? They were were there like, this is all you get, so be happy with it. And now we see in the movies and reading the novels, reading the books, we can see, oh, we can have more. Well, thinking you can have more and not being able to get it just creates uh, enormous dissatisfaction because you feel like you move on to another person, you'll find it. Move on to another person, you'll find it. When really what you have to find is within yourself. As in the words of one of those old rock and roll songs, love the one you're with. (laughs) Just learn how to love them. Not that that's always the answer, because sometimes a partner is really very, very unwilling to grow and unwilling to learn, and often uh, their unhappiness is is being treated with alcohol or
1: drugs, and now you've got somebody else in the relationship, and it's pretty hard to grow at that time. I think that ties in with a reason, because of the divorce and separation rates rising as well, John, Well,
0: without a doubt, the number one reason why we have so much divorce today is, and and you have to hear this in the right context, but as women have become more independent and self-sufficient, uh, the risk of divorce does dramatically go up. Uh, also, uh, you know, women can – in America, it just it's just uh, – huge problems are happening here in marriage. Uh, you, you see pretty much the divorce rate – Leveled out at fifty percent, but in second marriages, people get married again at sixty-five percent. Third marriages around ninety percent get divorced. So, if people are not learning their lesson, they're just moving from one partner to another. Uh, and but the bigger the bigger the de- devastation when it comes to marriage and relationships. Fifty-two percent of children born in America do not have a father living in the home. Uh, that's, that's over half the kids are fatherless, and to grow up without a father will create uh, a lifetime of strife and problems. Uh, they've proven this to be the case, is that you need two to make a baby, you need two to raise a baby. Uh, that's one, one aspect of it. Uh, another aspect of it is, is you know, since the uh, birth of feminism in America, there's been uh, uh, lots of... Uh, Billions of dollars have gone into giving girls advantages to sort of catch up with the guys, but now it's at the point where, uh, and for college graduates, there's two women college graduates for every man college graduate. And you know, college in America means you get a higher-paying job. So you've got the women now with higher-paying jobs and the men with the lower-paying jobs. And the women are all saying, "Where are the men? Where are the men?" I say, "Well, they're they're right up there in the hallway emptying your trash." And they go, I don't mean those men. I want somebody who's college educated like me. And, you know, that, that's one of the big differences between men and women is that, you know, men didn't – how much money a woman made was never a major consideration for most men. But for women, it's always been a consideration, and it's still a consideration. She wants a man who makes as much money as her, is equally educated as her and so forth. And there's a shortage of men who fit that category. I'm writing a book right now called The Boy Crisis. You know, what's happening to our boys? Uh, it's uh, all kinds of problems in America. They're starting to spread around the world. It happens due to the American diet, which is spreading, you know, all the, the fast food, the junk food, uh, artificial sweeteners, the GMO crops. This is all proving to cause uh, gut problems, digestive problems, which show up in girls as unhappiness and high and. Uh, a, a perfectionism where they try to be perfect and they're never good enough that actually increases their performance in school they try harder always never good enough, always never good enough and try harder boys feel not good enough and so they stop trying that's a gender difference and so what you see is boys are falling falling down in their grades, they're losing motivation they're losing the motivation to, to get in relationships to sustain passion in relationships so as I mentioned, divorce rates uh, are a disaster, but even worse than that. Now there's twice as many single people proportionately to 30 years ago. So, you know, double the amount of people are now choosing not to get married. There's more unmarried people than married people. And that was never the case. It was usually a quarter of the people uh, were unmarried. And now it's uh, over 50% of American adults are not married. and. You know, this, this is just, they, they get together and they lose the passion and they separate. They get together, they lose the passion. It usually takes about three to five years, about three years pass, and you lose those automatic brain chemicals of newness and interest and passion and pleasure because uh, you need newness for that and no history. So around three years, the passion is gone and it takes about two more years for the problems to build up as a result of that, and then they move on to the next person. And that's what's happening today. Families are being broken up. Children are being raised without parents without two parents. And this is not healthy. And the ideas of men are from Mars and women from Venus can help that a lot. But we also have to understand, you know, the, the poisonous diet that we're being fed these days also affects the brain. Affects the digestion. When your digestion can't digest the proteins and the fats then your brain can't make the right brain chemicals to stay motivated to be happy to be managing stress effectively. So we're having problems on all
1: levels physical and emotional and mental in our relationships. In a long-lasting relationship partners can change individually and grow apart from each other. How can a couple stay together? Well you know the the first thing I'll say
0: is a, a lot of the traditional ideas taught in universities are outdated. Uh, sometimes going to counselors makes things worse. That's been my experience. I won't say it's all counselors because I haven't heard from all counselors. It's just people come to me again and again and say that their marriage got worse going to particular therapies and counseling. And it's because the uh, universities have an agenda. Their agenda typically is that men and women should be the same. And that uh, and, and the next agenda is that men are bad and uh, We have all of our problems today because of men. And anybody who has an attitude like that is going to be destructive to a relationship. It's going to cause men to want to become more like women. Uh, It's going to cause men not to want to get help. Uh, It's going to cause women to feel more resentment and blame men more. And this kind of mentality that you'll see at the university is not helpful for relationships at all. Uh, we've got to get that there's problems in the world today, but there's also amazing benefits in the world today. There's greatness in the world today that was created by both men and women together. And there's problems in the world today that's created by both men and women together. And we don't want to blame one sex or the other. We need to get out of this world of blame and get into the world of what works and what doesn't work. And negativity doesn't work in our relationships, if we want long-lasting relationships, we should seek out the advice of people who have been successful in their marriages, people who are successful in their relationships. For example, you know, I'm happily married, I've married 30 years, I've been with my wife 37 years, I've been through the best and the worst, I understand these things. And there are some experts now who, who have this understanding. But, uh, you know, people who live in their ivy towers and the academics, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, you've got to get into the trenches to help people. And that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is to stay together for long-lasting relationships. We need to, you know, realize that a relationship is like a garden. It's like a piece of property. If you neglect a piece of property, it just, you know, it just goes downhill. A garden, if you don't take care of it one season, it looks terrible. You've got to water it. You've got to protect it. You've got to weed it. The weeds are always growing. If you don't weed that regularly and water that regularly, your crops don't come forth. You don't eat. And that's what's happening today is that people don't know the new ways to tend the garden of their relationship. They're just doing the, you know, they're just expecting it to happen automatically because when you fall in love, there is this automatic production of brain chemicals which are produced because there's a sense of newness in the relationship and a lack of history. What we have to do is to find ways to create more romance, to improve our communication, and to recognize that if a woman's working outside the home, and she's raising children, she needs a lot more help from her husband. He needs to understand that, and, and yet blaming him for not helping out isn't going to do anything at all. It's learning to understand where he comes from, where she comes from, and learning new ways for her to ask for his support in small increments with big rewards, and that gradually draws him into the whole uh, helping a woman out more. But women, you know, take for granted, men, you should do this. I work, so you should do that. Well, the shoulds just don't work in our relationships. But requests do, and a request implies a reward. If I ask you to do something, then I want to do something for you. The interesting thing about men is that you request a man to do something, he's not requiring you to do something for him. He just wants you to go, wow, thank you. That was nice. I appreciate it. Oh, my day is brighter. I'm happier today because you're in my life. That's the secret. And women don't realize their power and why they're needed by men, which is for that love in their heart. And, and men don't realize the way to communicate love effectively to a woman today. We thought by earning the money and bringing it home and not asking a lot of her that that was a loving thing, and that is a loving thing. But now we have to learn how to bring our attention home. And give her more attention and listen more what's going on and offer her help and create a little romance here and there. And that will make a big, big
1: difference for her. And John, if any of our listeners have given up in their relationship, is there any advice you would give them?
0: Oh, what a great question. If you've given up on, on a relationship, on your relationship, what advice would I give them? You know, so many people have told me this. I'll just share my story. I hesitate to say this because it's like promoting my book or something. Uh... But, you know, ever since I wrote Metaphor Mars over 25 years ago, and I travel a lot, the book became very, very famous. Wherever I go at an airport, people come up to me. It still happens. This is, And they still come up and say, You're John Gray. You wrote that book. And I went, Yeah. My husband and I were divorced, and he read that book. Uh, my wife and I were divorced, and she read your book. And we got back together, read the book together. We started dating again, and now we're back together again. We're married again because of the insights in your book. And and that's what really surprised me. I mean, I didn't even expect that from this book. But once, once we have these insights that we've been talking about, then a person can look back, not in every situation, but people can look back and go, oh my God, no no wonder the relationship didn't work. I was always giving her solutions, or I was always nagging and complaining, or I wasn't tending to the romance in the relationship, I was always thinking she was fine and she needed this. You know, once you, you... you Read through all the examples and you see, oh my gosh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. When people see how they contributed to the problems of the relationship and they're given an option of something else to do that they can do that they would, if they would have done it, they just known to do it, then they feel hope again. And when you feel hope, then you start to care again. If you stop if you, if you try everything, you know, when people give up on a relationship. It's generally because they tried everything they know and it didn't work. So why bother? And I agree with them. If, you, if, you, if you've tried everything that works and it doesn't work, you got to move on. It's just that what I see again and again is that these ideas, because they're not uh, – They're they're not intuitive ideas, they're not instinctive, you know, because if somebody was just the same as you, you would sort of anticipate what they need. But understand that women and men are different and you couldn't have known and you didn't know, then you go, and now I do know, let me give it another try and see if I can make this work. And that generally helps people uh, to, to reinvigorate them, to recommit themselves to trying this out, to trying to grow in love and change can happen. Uh, and then you, then you try to do that and it still doesn't work, uh, maybe then you move on. Because, you know, I'm not saying this is a recipe for everybody to, to make their relationship work because some people try it and their partner just will not go along with it at all. Although I will say that I talk to people so much of the time who just one person makes the change and the other person uh, responds and starts to make changes as well because we do have the power to bring out the best in people. The only time we don't is when there's addictions involved, and and that kind
1: of prevents prevents any growth. And what do you think about a partner cheating in a relationship, John? Well, when you talk about
0: cheating, uh, I deal with a lot of cases of infidelity, and I really appreciate people who come to me as a counselor because they had infidelity and they want to find forgiveness. They want to make the relationship work. Uh, that is a good position to take. Uh, you know, your partner makes a mistake, your partner has an affair and, and then they realize, okay, that was a mistake. I want to make my marriage work. Then you go, okay, that's a mistake. Mistakes are forgivable. Now, if your partner has affairs and they say, but that's not a mistake. That's what I want to do. And, and that's not what the other person wants to do. Then then that's a the deal breaker. There are deal breakers, you know. Generally speaking, in our culture, monogamy is, is the deal. And if you, if you decide you don't want to be monogamous, it's a deal breaker. But if you cheat on your partner, you made a mistake. If you, if you acknowledge I made a mistake, then you forgive the mistake and you move on. You learn how to find forgiveness. And that's a journey. I wrote a whole book on how to find forgiveness, but what you feel you can heal. And you, and, and, you know, another lady wrote a book called, you know, my husband's affair was the greatest gift I ever received. And I like to quote that title because it means so much because often when somebody has an affair and now there's, there, somebody's been hurt by that, they seek to heal the wound and grow closer together in the process. Because sometimes people are just having a flat, dull relationship and then somebody meets someone, they feel alive, they're curious, they, they want to follow that feeling, they don't want to die again, and then they go, you know, this is what I want to feel in my marriage, and then come back and and say, look, I made a mistake, and and this is what I want to do, I want our marriage to be like that, or we end it, you know, and and people should not just stay in a marriage and be dead, a marriage should be, you know, something that brings out the best in you, helps you to grow, helps bring out the worst of you sometimes, but you learn to let go of that part of you and move forward and, and making a mistake having an affair. I mean, sometimes it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. A guy has a one-night stand with somebody on a trip. He tells his wife he feels guilty. It was probably three minutes. <laughs> and now he's going to pay for that the rest of his life. That's just the stupidest thing in the whole world. And I try to help people understand that, you know, is that in so many cultures around the world, affairs are totally acceptable. There's no morality here. We're talking about just what is... Uh, what is the deal? And, and you, you make a deal and somebody breaks the deal. You find forgiveness. You don't just look at one mistake and say, okay, it's all over. At least that's my, my point of view on this. And I think it's nonsense that people will... You know, they just often people have affairs because the relationship is bad because they're not, you know, applying the skills, they're not loving, they're not supporting each other, so somebody ends up having an affair, somebody finds out about it, and now they get to the divorce, and you get to get a divorce without feeling any responsibility for how you contributed to the problem because you could just blame your partner for the affair, and that's nonsense. You know, it's like, uh, it takes two to ruin a relationship, it's not just somebody going out having an affair. Having said that, you know, if your partner keeps having affairs, then it's a, then that's a problem that could be a deal breaker. You work on that and you move on if that's what's necessary. But to ruin a family over somebody having an affair is nonsense. That's just stupidity as far as I'm concerned. You know, here, where I live here in California, we have a, there's people here where having affairs is part of their contract, you know, and they're all very happy. That's some people's choice. It's not my choice. I don't want my wife sleeping with a bunch of men, and she doesn't want me sleeping with a bunch of women. Uh, We're quite happy to have a great sex life and a great marriage. Uh, But some people are married and they have no sex, so maybe that's the best thing for them to be polyamorous. That's their choice. Uh, If they came to me for advice, I'd say, well, that's nonsense. Why don't you just learn to have a great sexual relationship? It's just a sign that you've shut down your heart to each other. Learn how to have great sex, so I teach that as well. I wrote a whole book called Mars and Venus in the Bedroom, how to revive your sex life. You know, this, this, I think that's a wonderful thing. If you're dependent on new partners to get stimulated, that's a sign that, that your relationship's not, uh, up to what it could be. So why not focus on your relationship being better? Cause that's the person you love more than anybody. Why go off with some stranger? So, you know, there's, it's not, it's not morality here. It's what works for you, what works in the long run. It's what your agreement is. It's what your what your contract is. Is what your deal is. But, uh, you know, people talk about, oh, the, the Bible says, you know, you should be monogamous. There's absolutely nowhere in the Bible for people who are religious. It says you should be monogamous. All the stories from the Bible, men have many, many wives, even when it comes to the, the Ten Commandments, you know, that are so cherished. The, thou, thou shalt not covet a man, another man's wife, that's all. You can't have an affair with a married man's wife, but you can have affairs, as many affairs as you want with other women, uh, and you can have many wives. And so this is, you know, the Christian religion is, is sort of adopted monogamy as if it's some kind of moral high ground. I think it's something that works. It's the highest thing that you can have, which is to grow in love with a person. But to, to claim it as Christianity, uh, it's not even a Christian value if you go back far enough in time. And it's certainly not a sin that can't be forgiven. That's the whole point of love is to find someone that you're reasonably uh, compatible with and you truly love and then grow in that love together. And growing in love is a real thing. You can't just uh, fall in love and expect it to be there. You've got to work at it. and And you do grow in love you know the whole idea of a, a soulmate a sacred relationship sacred sacred comes from the root uh to sacrifice when you make sacrifices loving sacrifices for someone your bond grows stronger uh and that's why parents are so bonded to their children as you make all kinds of sacrifices for your children but the outcome of that is you get to experience a deeper a deeper kind of love which is you know, part of our, our greatest fulfillment and happiness is to grow in love, as opposed to some sort of self-centered society where please me and I'll love you, everything. As long as you please me, I'll love you. If you don't please me, then I don't love you. Uh, that, that's this narcissistic, self-centered, uh, unhappy person. We can rise above that, and, and the nature is there to
1: rise above it, but we need instructions on how to do it, and that's why i wrote written these books. And I know, John, you wrote in your book there as well about things which make men and women happy. Can you tell us a little bit about these things? Well, what makes men and women happy? I talk about our
0: basic love needs. Now, everybody needs love. Let's take an example. We all need to feel someone cares about us. We all need to feel trusted, like we're someone's, you know, someone can depend on us. So one is, I need trust, I need someone to trust me, I need you to trust me, that makes me happy, I need you to care about me, that makes me happy. Those are different forms of love, now when it comes to men and women... What, what happens is that women have a greater need, a greater need for someone to get messages that you care about me. And a man has a greater need to feel that you trust me, that you depend on me. I mean, think about it. Men shine when they're heroes. That's why there's statues of men throughout history. Is that you know, and women want a man that they can depend on, a man they can trust, a man who will give his life for her. That's what men have been, have risen to that role, because when you trust someone, when you depend on someone, I mean, you're calling me up and having an interview, maybe because you trust that I'll have something good to say. And whenever a man feels trusted, it increases testosterone. Whenever a woman feels trusted, it increases her testosterone. But now for survival, men need much more testosterone to be healthy and to feel good than women do. So, women often call men having big egos, you know, what did I do, look what I did, look what I did, look at the car I can drive, look at how I can accomplish this. Well, it's not like it's a big ego in a negative sense, that's a big need that men have, which is the recognition of, look what he can do. You can trust this guy. So trust is a much more important need for men than for women. It's a need for women. But the primary need that makes men happy is when that you give them messages that you can trust them. So, for example, what listeners can just do today, you know, when you're talking to a man, if you're a woman, just notice, notice how his whole posture will change. If after he said something and he pauses, then you smile and you go, wow, that makes sense puff up or you might say oh my gosh you're right and it'll puff up and or you go oh wow what a good idea i hadn't thought of that wow you know show a little female enthusiasm about that. that makes sense that's a good idea you're right and and oh you're so wow that's so helpful thank you any of those kinds of things which says i can depend on you it will have a more beneficial effect on a man than a woman. It's just it, this is what men will make men happiest. Now what makes women happiest is when you give messages that say, I care, I'm considerate of you. You open the car door for her. She's carrying a box, let me help you. Can I help you with that? You know, noticing her, oh, look what you look beautiful tonight, it means that you care how she looks. You notice how she looks, you see how she looks. These are all signs that you care so give her those messages and she will begin to glow it's amazing so what i've done is help identify what forms of love produce the female hormones and what forms of love produce the male hormones now keep in you know keep in mind that men also require female hormones just not as much and women also require male hormones just not as much they just have a little bit of it So appreciation is another one, you know, when you appreciate it, oh, thank you, you're so helpful, oh my gosh, you're here, I'm happy to see you, you appreciate what a man can do for you, that then makes him, stimulates his testosterone, lowers his stress and allows him to bond with you. How do men bond with women? Men bond by doing things for women and her appreciating it. Women bond with men when men do things for women and they appreciate it so let me say that again it's the man always doing things and the woman appreciating it it's how a man bonds with a woman if a woman does things for a man and a man appreciates with her for it it doesn't cause her to bond that much to him it doesn't produce oxytocin which is the bonding hormone it will produce testosterone in her which actually reduces the 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 bonding hormone women when they're unhappy they're always complaining I did this for him I did this for him I did this for him and he he didn't do anything for me that's what women want is they want to have him do things for her and she appreciates it Meanwhile if, if a man you do things for him it's not like I go oh I don't like you to do things for me although sometimes men don't want her to do so much for us but if she does things that we like and we want we're happy with that but it doesn't cause us to bond with her motivate us to do more for her so there are real differences in this, this whole thing in terms of appreciating a man uh, and it's in and back to caring and trust the irony if i want my wife to trust me more i give her caring it's reciprocal by caring more for her showing consideration showing interest all those those things she will trust me more and if a woman wants wants a a man to care for her she has to practice trusting him if you trust a man if you depend on a guy he will care more if you become independent i can't trust him for anything he stops caring about you and one of the big ways of showing a man that you trust him is by not nagging not demanding you're trusting he's doing his best and by then asking for what you want in a non-demanding way you know, when you trust somebody's gonna be there for you, you don't demand, you don't nag, you just assume they forgot to do it and you ask again. It's only when you mistrust, oh, they, they don't care, they're not interested, I have to force them, I have to shame them, I have to guilt them, I have to threaten them into giving to me. Then then you that's how you ask. It, it becomes a demand as opposed to a request. So if you can ask with trust, he's gonna do his best, a man's gonna respond with more caring and consideration for who you are. So, these forms of love are reciprocal, and in my book I talk about you know 12 of them,
1: these reciprocal ones, but those are some of the key ones right there. And like, I know there are probably women listening in today and asking themselves how come a man like you knows so much about women. Would you have any comment to reassure them? Well, you know, actually when I started out with these ideas uh,
0: 35 years ago, uh, there are people who criticized me enormously. There still are. As I mentioned before, the academics and the ivory castles uh, they, they all think how things should be, and they have no idea what reality is, at least to a certain extent. And uh, they say, well, how do, you, how do you know this? How do you know this? And I spent 10 years in my office listening to women eight hours a day complain about their husbands. I mean, how many men do you know that have done that? <laughs> Researchers or academics or whatever. This was my life. And what I found is that uh, they had almost the same complaints. And that when men came in, which was not that often, men had opposite complaints. So it just made sense to me that we were all going in the wrong direction. And and by listening to women uh, over and over and over, I began to understand them. And also, you know, trying my very best in my marriage to make it work, applying these insights and seeing that it can work. So, you know, it was simply... Uh, a, a journey of recognizing that psychology had taken the wrong turn and somebody had to turn us back the other direction. And, and when you go so far the one way that doesn't work, it becomes kind of obvious that you're going the wrong way. And that was the impetus and the motivation for me at that time. I'll say now that there's many, many people who are also talking about uh, the differences between men and women. Uh, But it wasn't that way when I started back in the day.
1: Finally, John, do you believe a healthy and happy relationship is based on daily work? I don't think a relationship requires hard work. I think, like I said
0: before, it's like tending a garden. And the irony is, is my wife loves taking care of the garden. She loves weeding. And, and women who, who don't often are saying, I have no time for that. But if you have plenty of time in your life, what would you enjoy doing? Those are actually the things that create oxytocin. And, you know, I have plenty of time to do my work as long as I'm rewarded for it. If I wasn't rewarded for it, I'd probably be overworking and be dissatisfied. So it's, it's basically we create time for those things that work. And if we knew how to make our relationships work, we would create time for it. But today, the old, the old ways of making a relationship work no longer work. We have to find new ways. For example, one of the most important chapters in my book is called Little Things Make, How Men and Women Score Points. Little Things Make a Big Difference. And that we understand women and happiness is the hormone oxytocin makes them happy. If I give them, if I give my wife 36 roses, because she likes roses, and it's a romantic thing to do, and 36 roses, oh my gosh, that's going to create big happiness. Most men think, okay, that's a big thing. I don't have to do it for a long time. Well, actually, 36 roses produces the same amount of oxytocin as giving her one rose. So if you want women to have plenty of oxytocin, don't give 36 roses. Maybe occasionally you can do that for fun. But just give one rose 36 times, and you'll get 36 times the effect. See, it's lots of little things make the big difference for women. And men don't understand that because for men, if you do something big, it has a big effect. If you do something little, he doesn't even notice it. But for women, they notice the little things and they need lots of little things. And that's what men did in the beginning of relationships. When the relationship worked, he was doing little things because he didn't want to yet do big things. I'm not yet going to share my income with you. I'm not yet going to, you know, provide a house and insurance and all that stuff and have kids with you. I'm not going to do the big stuff. I'm just going to do little stuff. And it's actually the little stuff, the little consideration, caring, that stimulates a lot of oxytocin. So for women, every act of love, big or small, has the same effect. So for men, this is smart. This you know brings a whole new awareness of it doesn't have to be a lot of work. It could just be lots of little work. You know, lots of hugs, lots of little conversations, showing interest. Once you learn those little things that create the oxytocin, it doesn't take a lot of hard work, but it does take tending. A relationship is like a garden. We have to tend it.
1: If any of our listeners want to find out more about your work, John, how could they do us? Uh,
0: they can go to MarsVenus.com. And at marsandvenus.com every day I have a, uh, a one-hour show. I have hundreds of shows that I've done and people can see the schedule of the different shows I do on uh, having better relationships, on dating, on health, on wellness, on parenting, on um, stress management on healing the heart healing the past starting over lots of these topics that I've written books on I've also done
1: uh, short videos on and that's all available for free at marsvenus.com thanks so much for chatting today John you're welcome thank you for a wonderful interview you're very welcome thank you very much John bye bye